Hi everyone, welcome to You're listening to Informal Chats. In this episode, we are going to talk about theological topics. Caring for God's creation from a Christian perspective. And I'm joined by Ruth Mansovich and James Hutchison. Great to have you both with us. Great to be here. Ruth, you are a uh, returner to Informed. Um, James, this is your first appearance, so uh, a special welcome to you. And I don't know if you've listened to any of the episodes of Informed, but if you have, um, you'll know that um, uh, a new guest gets put in the hot seat and asked, can you tell us in a minute, why are you a Christian? Oh, that's a really interesting question. So, um, I mean, I my parents are both Christians. I grew up in a Christian family, and uh, I guess I would say I'm kind of very lucky to have been, to have grown up being taught what I'm now fairly sure is the truth. Um, so, uh, I grew up going to a, a Baptist church, sort of um, semi-charismatic, I guess, and I think I probably felt like I met God for myself and realized there was something real here that actually had an implication for my life at some point in my early teens, probably. And uh, yeah, there's been various kind of significant steps along the journey since then, but um, that's the one minute version. That's nice. Was there either at that point in your early teens or since, um, what kind of things have made you sure that what you were what you were brought up with is true uh i think so there are all sorts of there's all the kind of apologetics and arguments and that side of things which um i think helped me feel reassured that it wasn't a completely irrational thing but actually i think the things that have convinced me is more the um just a sort of sense of experiencing god's presence and actually the fact that he is a real person who we can have a relationship with and uh, interact with and yeah experiencing that for myself I think that was the key um, and you know in various different ways and what that looks like has kind of changed and developed over the years um, but fundamentally I think that's what I would point to. Cool well thank you James. Um, Ruth why why don't you give us a bit of a um... Uh, a potted summary of why are you interested in this topic of caring for God's creation? Well, I think I love being outside. Um, surrounded by God's creation is huge for me, makes me very, very happy and calm and all sorts of things. And um, closer to God, often I think a lot of people are. And reading the Bible and just seeing God's attitude to creation and what he calls us to do. And to be honest, in my job, helping churches think about science I'm surrounded by quite a lot of people who are very involved with various organizations to do with caring for creation and have become more and more interested in it um, over the years it's one of the topics I've read a bit more on than others. <laughs> yeah. did, did you expect it to become a, a big thing when you got into this whole area of helping churches and uh, understand science and so on? No, when I started working for Christians in Science, which is an organisation that does what it says on the tin, for Christians who are scientists, a sort of fellowship and support group uh, cooking them, I thought I should get into the ethical issues to do with biology, to do with embryos and things, because I had done my PhD in genetics, but I never that never quite got off the ground. Um, <laughs> um, I've been forced to get familiar with the arguments on creation, um, and, and evolution, which was the subject of, of another podcast. Um, but, um, well, largely the biblical creation narratives. But, um, yeah, this has just sort of popped up 
as something that's just see naturally close to my heart, but I've got the Holy Spirit in me, so you know, <laughs> maybe it's being put there. <laughs> James, is this something you've thought a lot about? Uh, yeah, so this is kind of um, what I spend my life working on the uh, the creation side of it rather than specifically from a um, theological viewpoint, I guess. So I work for a government nature conservation agency, um, spend my time mostly working with sort of data and maps and that kind of thing, trying to uh, work out how to help the government uh, implement the environmental policies that it has set out. And in some cases, trying to guide those environmental policies to uh, be more um, sensible and effective in um, managing the environment for um, all of the uh, useful things that we get from it, um, you know, all of our food and water and all that sort of thing, and also just for its um, the uh, kind of cultural value that it has uh, to people. So um, being able to go for walks in nature, as Ruth has talked about, and benefit from the beauty and, you know, ultimately, in my view, not necessarily the government's, but seeing the, the glory of God reflected in that. Mm. So you come at you come at this from a scientific background. Yeah, I guess so. So um, I mean, I think the original interest was more just from a fascination with um, all things nature, uh, particularly birds. My parents tell me that I was uh, it was a nightmare trying to get me to learn to read until I discovered the Reader's Digest book of British birds at a fairly young age and actually found something that was worth reading. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it's sort of it's something that is um, inherently within me somewhere, and I guess as Ruth has kind of talked about, I would look to the person who made me for being responsible for that one. Um, mm. But yes, it sort of developed into a scientific interest. So I studied um, biology and ultimately ecology um, at university, and um, then worked in academia for a little while, and uh, now in uh, in the sort of government sector. It's great. So perhaps, James, you could um, help us just for those of us who are less in that world, um, issues around the environment, um, climate change, they are often in the news. Um, there's a lot of activism that goes on around them. Um, uh, there's a big UN conference coming up um, a few weeks after we'll release this episode. So. Uh, it's something we hear a lot about. Can you give us kind of in a nutshell, what's the big deal? Why is this being talked about and thought about so much uh, in our society at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. So there's definitely a kind of an increasing awareness. And I think that corresponds to an increasing uh, amount of pressure on the natural environment and all sorts of impacts from that. Um, so climate change is obviously a key one and that's been sort of particularly in the news over the last summer with all sorts of extreme weather events and the sort of um, rapid realization that climate change isn't just something that's going to have an impact in the future but it is already having that impact and um, causing major effects on people and the natural world but also um, I was looking up some stats this morning so the current extinction rate is roughly 100 times the normal base rate which means that we're we're losing species. Species always change. Some species disappear and new species appear, but we're losing species 100 times faster than normal at the moment. Um, many scientists, I think, would say that we're living in the sixth uh, mass extinction event. So you know, we talk about when the dinosaurs disappeared as a mass extinction caused by some sort of catastrophic event, and that's effectively what we are living through now. But this one 
we know is largely caused by us and our impact um, on the world through um, all of the things we do, not through any uh, particular um, evil or intentional desire to harm things by and large, um, but just through the sort of impact that we have from our day-to-day uh, -day activities. Um, so yeah, I think there's um, an increasing awareness of that, you know, David Attenborough documentaries is something that I've sort of grown up on and they've gone from in my lifetime being about all these amazing bits of nature to primarily focusing on uh, the damage that we're doing to nature and um, what we need to do about that. But I think in all of these things, um, there is hope for a number of reasons. So I think the actually the, that increase in awareness is one thing that gives me hope. I think that is gradually turning into a change in um, kind of public opinion and that then feeds through into policy and um there's an increasing realization that we need to do something about this and lots of thought going into what that might be. Um, and then also, ultimately, as Christians, we have another source of hope, which is that um, we know that ultimately God is in charge, uh, not us. It doesn't absolve us of responsibility, but it gives us a hope that um, he has a plan to ultimately work things out for good and for his glory, I guess. Yeah, well, which we'll come on to in a minute. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious to know... I guess climate change is the one which gets the headlines. Your specialism is ecological. Is the species loss you just talked about, is that, is that as a result of climate change or is that a completely separate issue that's also going on at the same time? Um, I think they're all uh, intrinsically linked. So um, there are all kinds of reasons for species loss. And I think they're probably all to do with human impact. So climate change, we know, is driven largely by burning of fossil fuels in cars and power plants and um, various other ways. Um, and certainly that's contributing to the species crisis. So one thing that particularly gets me, a lot of people we know, I have a five-year-old daughter, we have a five-year-old daughter, and I suspect it's quite possible that she will never be able to enjoy some of the experiences that I've had with snorkeling and scuba diving on coral reefs, for example, because I think by the time she gets to my age, they may well largely be gone. And that um, is driven by climate change and the increase in ocean temperatures and um, the increase in carbon dioxide, which uh, turns the ocean more acidic and dissolves um, the skeletons of uh, carbonate-based animals, which are coral reefs. Um, so yeah, climate change is definitely, there's a, a key impact of climate change on species, but there's lots of other things as well. So um, human uh, kind of expansion of cities and built up areas into uh, wilderness and also conversion of uh, sort of wilderness. So the Amazon is one that's talked about a lot being cut down for farming and that's largely to grow um, crops which are then fed to animals which um, are eaten not in those places but generally um, exported often to the west. Um, so yeah, habitat destruction is another big one. Um, invasive species so as uh, we live in a sort of increasingly globalized world where we um, lots of the the goods that we use in this country come from overseas and uh, as we move those things around the world we also move species with them to places where they wouldn't naturally occur and they have impacts on um, the, the species that would naturally be there and um, so there's a whole kind of range of human impacts I guess that are feeding into that uh, biodiversity crisis um, of which climate change is a key one, but it's not the only one by any means. Okay, well, thanks for sketching that picture for us. Um, I, I guess the question which 
we want to ask in the light of all that is as a Christian, what do we do with that? It, it's, it sounds like there's some big stuff going on. Um, but the temptation might be to think, um, and I, I could really understand people thinking, well, hang on a minute. As Christians, we have got much bigger fish to fry. We're, we're concerned with um, evangelism and, and saving people for all eternity. Um, isn't that much more important than thinking about uh, biodiversity or weather patterns changing? Um, Ruth, how would you start to, to answer that sort of question? Yeah, yeah, no, and it, it's something the church has done on and off right since the beginning, I think, valuing separating the world into spiritual and material and valuing the spiritual more. Um, but I think a good question to start with is how does God feel about creation? Um, so, you know, you don't have to go very far in any bit of the Bible really to find out that he thinks it's very good. He looks after it, he sustains it, he provides for it, it praises him, it brings glory to him. And already, before you've even looked at any other biblical principles or biopassages at all, you're thinking, well, I'm thinking, well, if I'm following God, <laughs> then I think caring for creation, if he loves it, then he looks after it. And I'm made in his image, well, you know, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> actually the um you know you you read the first chapter of genesis first two chapters of genesis and it says your job is to tend and keep you know that's yeah. that's kind of the big yeah that's what we're to do <laughs> yeah and i think the the image of god um is quite helpful maybe to think about that in terms of vocation um the being given the job of representing god ruling creation on god's behalf as his deputies um so this this thing about um the, the command that god gives to sort of go and you know uh have dominion over creation tend it and keep it um that kind of thing that's that seems to be a big part of what he is um saying being human is about do you think that's right yeah yeah Definitely, I think so. And so people like James are, in effect, doing, you know, we reclaiming the ground that we've lost when, you know, started with Adam and Eve, you know, he started stuffing up. Um, so James is using scientific knowledge um, to serve God and glorify him in caring for creation. Okay, lots of other people do that, you know, um, without any faith commitment, but you know, I think it's absolutely brilliant to see people like James who are, um, you know, putting that into practice and they are people of faith and that's what drives them and what gives them hope because depression is quite a big thing among and probably various kinds of trauma among people involved in ecology. There's a beautiful article written by my former assistant, Cara, while she was Daniil at that point in Christianity Today magazine, American magazine about back in 2018, <laughs> um, happy to give anyone the link if you're interested, where she, she, she interviewed by email a whole load of Christian ecologists and said, how do you not get depressed? <laughs> um, and, you know, I think, I think Christians in the world of ecology, I think have something particularly to bring there. Well, why do Christians, um, why do Christians have a different approach? Ruth, perhaps you could give a, 
potted summary and then we'll we'll hear what James's personal experience is. Well, I think because because of Jesus, he was the image of God. He was God. <laughs> and, you know, his death and resurrection accomplished um, and will accomplish when we get the new heavens and the new earth, the redemption of all creation. Um, lots of bits of the New Testament mention that. And that's the hope that we have, that we are, because we're following him and we have our new hearts of flesh <laughs> and the Holy Spirit in us, that we can have a theologian called Richard Balkan talks about proximate hope and ultimate hope. We have the proximate hope, fancy word for like now, here and now hope, that God will help us to do what we can, even though it seems totally ridiculous. You know, in the face of what James said about coral reefs, I've never heard anyone say that before, you know, and probably because we're trying not to make me sad, but, um, you know, and to be like, okay, God, we'll just hold on tight to you. Please help us. And then the ultimate hope that, we, we do need to grieve what's happening, but we won't need to grieve it forever. There's a tension between those two things, like don't give up, keep going, but do, you know, do remember that this isn't it. Mm. It stops. Yeah. What's it like being in this sphere for you as a Christian, James? Um, yeah, I think it's a challenge because as, as we said, you know, the the overall trend in general i think it's fair to say is not a good one i think there are um reasons for hope even outside of the um, sort of faith-based aspects in terms of the fact that actually the world is waking up to this um very rapidly but um you know as my coral reef example kind of points to i think things are going to get worse before they get better to some extent with climate change and um all the rest of it uh but yeah i think um i think as a christian i i kind of have a hope that my minor um bit that i'm doing in one uh, little corner of one government agency is um part of um a bigger picture i guess so um yeah it's uh, it's it's not the the fact that on a day-to-day -day basis, we don't always see the difference that you're making. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that it's um, not there. And I guess, yeah, as Ruth said, we have that ultimate hope. Um, well, we have a, a kind of realism that actually we live in a fallen world um, full of fallen people and that is contaminated by sin. And so in a way, it shouldn't necessarily be surprising that things won't immediately get better and um, it's not necessarily all going to be fixed um, in this uh, in this world and this life, but we do have that ultimate hope that it will be, and uh, that all of creation will be redeemed and made new, um, as Ruth has said. So, how do you um, how does that hope of God eventually renewing creation um, affect how we think about the? environmental issues now because you might you might be forgiven for thinking well god said that you know creation is groaning at the moment one day it's going to be released from its bondage to decay he's gonna there a day is coming when he's going to sort out um everything that needs sorting out jesus will come back creation will be renewed um footnote there's a debate amongst theologians about whether the current creation gets uh renewed and restored or whether god 
makes a completely new one, um, which we're not going to debate today. But um, either way, you know, God is uh, Ruth grinning. Maybe she wants to debate it. Um, but either way, uh, uh, either way, God is going to restore what he when, Let me rephrase that. God, we have a future in a uh, in a creation that is not uh, bound to decay as this current creation is. Uh, and so we might think, well, well, if that's going to happen anyway, um, maybe maybe sorting out the issues with this creation right now um, isn't so much of a priority. Um, so how do we unpick that? We've already talked about the fact that um, God loves creation, that he's given humanity uh, uh, a mandate to rule it and to 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 be over it on his behalf. And so he wants us to reflect his heart towards it. Um, but uh, how would we how would we process the fact that well, if God's going to fix it anyway, do we need to do anything about it now? Should I? Yeah, go on, Jake. Go that one. So um, I think there's a there are a couple of things in here. So one is, you know, you talked about other kind of pressing issues for Christians like evangelism and um, seeing people saved, and I think one way of looking at that is that all of that is um a way to uh bring god glory and seeking his glory ultimately and i think if you see creation as his uh, it is his, his creation um you know psalm 104 um talks particularly particularly eloquently about this and how wonderful his creation is and all of the different things that he's made if we're losing tens of thousands of those species every year um that's not i don't think that's adding to god's glory i think trying to stop that and slow that down um clearly therefore is in line with uh adding to god's glory and bringing him glory and i think there's also a um justice issue here as well so i think it's probably fair to say that um environmental issues including climate change and sea level rise resulting from it but also um you know things like pollution and um damage to water supplies and all of these sorts of things all of the things that result from the damage that we do to the natural environment tend to disproportionately affect the poorest um yeah. in society and that's both in kind of uh, western societies but also on a global scale um there are probably the the, the less well-off countries of the world will be most um, badly hit by these things. So I think there's a, a justice issue in um, trying to minimise that damage and uh, where possible start to reverse it as well, um, which I think is kind of clearly in line with, um, again, bringing God glory and making this world look a little bit more like uh, God's kingdom. Mm. It's, it's loving our neighbour on a global scale. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, we live in a world, but when Jesus told the parable about loving your neighbour, you know a person's actions typically didn't affect anyone very far away um uh now we live in a world where some of our actions do affect other people um very far away but in a kind of cumulative way you know each individual action has a tiny effect but they add up to something uh, and as you say they add up to something which uh might cause a lot more suffering for other people than for me perhaps um so that's a really helpful frame to think of it through as well, I think. Um, Ruth, do you want to chuck anything in on that? Yeah, and just to add the point that the, the people who are suffering, and so for any any person who goes overseas as a missionary, you're thinking of people like Lizzie, you know, working in Peru, climate change will be affecting the people they work with disproportionately. So 
it is a mission it is an evangelism issue you know you're going into communities where this is this is really affecting people um and um not le- and also not least the you know the young people in this country who are like come on church <laughs> you know um if they're if they're outside of the church you know, what what are you doing like do you care like what what does relations does this have to your faith there's a whole opportunity there but also the the people who are most affected they can't afford to be environmentally unfriendly they're not causing the issue they can't can't afford to fly they can't afford a car they don't have air con they don't have heating you know they a meat-based diet you know they're eating a they're eating a vegan diet because it's the cheapest way to eat you know they 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 they're reusing stuff they're making stuff they're growing stuff they're sharing stuff they're swapping stuff you know they're picking stuff off off the streets and turning it into new things I mean we've got this if we want to learn how to um to to live you know to take care of creation I think there's huge amounts we can learn from the resourcefulness the enforced resourcefulness um and simple lifestyles of people um I mean in in this country but also um probably even more so around the world I think and I'm using, I've been using a telling off voice, sorry, but it can be really inspiring to see what people do. It's exciting, you know. Um, I watched a film all about a lad in Malawi who made a wind pump because they need to eat, <laughs> you know. And he made a wind pump to pump water out so they could get water for their potatoes, you know, which is, and he just taught himself about a book, about a bike, you know, and then did some physics. You know, made a made a wind pump. It was awesome. A little That's cool. Yeah. Um. And you know, now then he got scholarships to go to uni in America, which is great. Mm. But hopefully, he'll go home again and carry on helping people to build sustainable things. But I think we can learn a lot. We can be really encouraged. They can bring us lots of joy, as already both of you were smiling at that story. You know, when we start doing stuff like that. Mm. I think it's helpful to, you know, to think about how how does something like this relate to the core mission of the church? The mission that Jesus has given us is to make disciples. Um, so there's always a danger that the church gets distracted from that and thinks, well, um, uh, okay, we'll we'll put a load of our resources into, you know, seeking to have this particular impact on society or on the environment or whatever. Um, and, and along the way, forget to make disciples. But if we make disciples, and as Jesus says, teach them to obey everything he's commanded us, um, then we'll, make, we'll be making disciples who do good and who love their neighbour in all sorts of ways, including in, in thinking about these kind of things. Um, and so if we're, we're I think um, the church is supposed to, uh, supposed to model and a new society a new humanity the the new creation way of living um and show the rest of the world what that looks like and so um if we are if we're making disciples then those disciples will care about this stuff and uh some of them will do things like james and ruth do and some of them will uh do have an impact in other ways uh but they don't have to we don't have to sort of do either or do we do discipleship or do we do um, caring about the environment? I think we've got to get them the right way around. We care about the environment because we're disciples. Um, and if we get if we get that straight and we focus on making disciples, then all sorts of 
wonderful stuff will happen in this sphere and in other spheres, um, the arts, in politics, in education, whatever, because as a church, we're making disciples and those disciples love God and love their neighbour and amazing stuff happens as a result. Perhaps we should talk about um, the sort of people who aren't in James's shoes. Um, you know, they don't have a job where they're having an immediate impact on this, but they're thinking, well, okay, I, I, I see my responsibility to, um, to care for creation on God's behalf. Um, I see that he cares about it. Um, I see that the choices I make have an impact on those who are less well off. But what do I do? There's, there's a multiplicity of um, things I could do. Uh, where do I even start? How do I process this? How do I, how, how much is enough? How do I know whether I'm um, doing enough to make a difference? Um, there's, there's some tricky questions there. And I think it's helpful to think, okay, well, as disciples of Jesus, how do we begin to process some of those things? James, do you have like a, a, a starting point for us on that? uh i don't know i so yeah it's definitely um even as somebody working in this world and who's kind of familiar with some of the issues it can very easily seem overwhelming in terms of uh all of the different aspects of life that um relate to this and uh how where you kind of start to tackle it um i guess so one thing that i think can be helpful is to sort of think on a range of scales so there's the kind of fairly obvious everyday stuff that a lot of people are probably aware of like um switching lights off and not wasting water and all of the, the kind of uh basic day-to-day -day stuff then um there's probably quite a lot of stuff that you can do without really any um major cost but that is um sort of beneficial and in sometimes some cases that's actually sort of financially beneficial as well so things like insulating your house to reduce uh, reduces heating bills but also reduces the um amount of gas or electricity you're burning to heat it um walking or cycling rather than driving where possible all of those kinds of things um and then at the slightly kind of bigger picture level i guess um there's uh, the sort of advocacy side so trying to influence the sort of big picture policies that governments are making um through um you know writing to mps or uh being part of some of the organizations that campaign for those things or contributing to them financially that side of things um and then um even bigger than that uh, is the fact that um we have been given access to the one who is ultimately in charge of all of these things um, so praying about some of these issues, um, asking God to intervene and also um, asking him to help us uh, to know where we can um, best take action on the, these kinds of things. Um, there's a useful, uh, again, I can share a link with anybody who's interested. There's a, a charity called Arosha, which is a Christian environmental charity, and they have a web page called Living Lightly, which... Um, kind of looks across a whole range of different issues and looks at some um, relatively simple steps that people might want to think about taking. So that's a, a resource that I recommend. Um, and on all of it, I think I would say uh, it's better to do something and kind of have an awareness of these things in the decisions that we make every day than to do nothing. Um, I, I don't think any one of us is going to solve it on our own. And it, it can sometimes feel like the things that we can actually influence are a bit of a drop in the bucket. But I think, um, yeah, doing something. And uh, 
the, the sort of faith aspects that we've talked about actually gives us a reason to do something that goes beyond just the sort of impact that it may have, but is more kind of out of obedience to the fact that we know that it's God's creation and um, we're here to look after it. Mm. So even even if sort of a, a small decision, I might not be motivated to do it because it has for its impact, because its impact seems so small, although obviously they all add up you're saying that I could be motivated to make that small change as an act of worship. Yeah, exactly. Um, definitely. And, you know, as, as you kind of start to get into that and start to become more aware of the issues, God may well point out other things um, that you could potentially do and sort of uh, lead us into these, into um, further areas that we can uh, change about our lives to kind of reduce the impacts, the negative impact that we're having and, um, increase the positive impact mm. yes and i mean i think you think about what you're saying about discipleship and evangelism doing both of those things with integrity i think um once we do begin to get that in our mind what, how can i do this in a caring for creation way um then that just changes you know, how we do those things, um, rather than, you know, doing, um, you know, for example, if you, you know, do, doing events at church, leaving a trail of rubbish or recycling behind us, because I'm told that recycling should be the last ditch option <laughs> after refuse, reuse, um, all the other R's, um, you know, then it, 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 it can be a little bit extra work. Sometimes it isn't. Um, you know, sometimes it can be a matter of just thinking, you know, what do I buy? Do I buy this or that? Well, actually, that's a better option, knowing and being informed. Um, and I, I have a colleague who, who is involved with the Russia. She used to work volunteer for them and, and still speaks on these issues. And she has a, she's just very, very encouraging and says, just try a thing. <laughs> you know, there's so many things you could do. It can get overwhelming. Just try one thing that's within reach for you. And if it works, carry on and then make it a habit and try another thing. If not, ditch it. There's so many things you could do. There's no, you know, do something else. Um, and um, I mean, as James has said, some things have bigger impacts than others, so it's worth bearing that in mind. But um, and some of the things can really bring you joy. Um, you know, uh, cycling will make you healthier, <laughs> and you might enjoy some really lovely bits of Cambridge. Um, and um, I think, yeah, can, can can save you money and and can, um, yeah, you can end up. I have now have things that I like a lot more because I've, I've thought about them and um, they're better made. Um, but um, yeah, so I, I don't I don't think it, it yeah it, it can be more expensive. It can take more time. I think those of us who have time and money to spare can be trailblazers in that to that extent but also something that I've been thinking about for years is if the church gets together especially a church like City Church we've got such resources between its creativity skills expertise you know um wow <laughs> what could we do if we come together you know um no idea the solutions that can emerge we've got proper inventors in the church you know as well as artists and you know all sorts of amazing people you know if we if we 
see this as something that goes alongside and is part of our mission and ministry in general, I think. Um, yeah, we, could, we could do some really lovely things, I think, um, yeah. and, and inspire others and have them looking in on the church going, what makes them do that? <laughs> you know, what helps them do that? That's hopeful, that's, you know, mm. that, that, that's expressing something Obviously, we need to say something of God, you know, um, that's very attractive, um, I would hope. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, as, as Christians, we've got a way of processing um, these issues where you could always do more. You know, it's true in uh, environmental impacts, it's true in, um, in financial generosity, in spiritual disciplines, Oh, you could always do more. How much is enough? How much is enough? Um, and we have the the joy of processing ethical and moral decisions by walking by the Spirit. Galatians five says, not by being under the law. Mm. Um, we, we we do it relationally. Um, we don't do it um, fundamentally. There, there are lots of there are lots of instructions in the New Testament and the Old Testament of of things that we should do um but uh we we don't fundamentally operate uh with a like an abstract list of do this do that do this do that we fundamentally operate in a relationship with the holy spirit who leads us into fulfilling uh the things that god requires of us love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control um and and so i think with those that sits really well, I think, with what you're describing, Ruth, of kind of would try a thing, do a thing, and then try another thing. That's a, a step-by-step kind of relational. Um, I'm not I'm not trying to uh to nail this overnight. Not that God has low expectations for us, but that He He leads us into things, doesn't He? And 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 doesn't kind of just sort of drop a ton of brick set of instructions on us and say right go and do that then you're on your own he fills us he lives in us he leads us and guides us and helps us to to take the steps that he wants us to take whether it's in um, growing in our prayer life or our generosity or our um decisions in the supermarket or whatever it might be um and that's 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 kind of not to say that yeah that's not to say that well, God's kind of shrugging his shoulders, let's say fair. It's not it's not about low standards, it's the opposite. The walking by the spirit and having the power of God in us can actually lead us to to do more, make more sacrifices, make bolder decisions and so on than than if we didn't have that. Um, but the mechanism is relational and the power is from God rather than the mechanism being just a set of abstract principles and the power coming from just what we can muster. Yeah, that's definitely really helpful. I had a chat with a, a Highlander um, last week. He used to run the Church of Scotland, but besides that, he, he grew up in the island um, and um, or, or certainly has big experience with, of, with folk in the Highlands. And um, knowing, knowing those communities, it, I mean, in the past, they were very poor, um, they were living on quite tough land that was tough to farm. Um, fishing stocks collapsed. You know, they 
they were used to living with not that much um, and uh, being really resourceful, you know, working together as a community, making, mending. And I think those kinds of skills that people have, um, you know, not putting ourselves back into a place where, you know, we might die of the harvest fails. Um, nobody, you know, too many people in the world live like that. We can't, we don't, you know, um, I'm not saying we want we want to be there, but um, to to enjoy recovering some old skills um, and, and looking to older generations or even wartime generations. You can say, how did you save money? How did you save energy? Um, and having some fun um, learning expertise or, or folk who've grown up in other countries where stuff wasn't as readily available. You know, how do you do that, this or that? You know, how do I fix this? Um, it can be quite fun. There's lots that we can learn um, from other people. Let's bring things into land. Uh, perhaps I can finish by reading from Romans chapter 8 and then perhaps uh, a bit of revelation. Romans 8 says, this is the ESV, um, the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. That's us. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Revelation uh, 21 says, uh, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And then it's a description of this, this city, which is also a garden um, with the river of life, the, the tree of life, um, a physical world, it would appear, um, certainly being described in those terms. You get that kind of a description in Isaiah as well of the new the new creation that's coming where which is described in term in in very physical material terms and uh, that's our hope as Romans 8 says that not just that we get saved and escape from uh, the bothersome nature of having a body and go and float around on a cloud somewhere but that the whole creation uh, gets renewed and restored ourselves included um and we see that in the resurrection of Jesus. That's what's going on. Um, a new creation body, uh, different to his previous body, um, but still recognizably the same person. And um, that's the best template we have for what our hope is for ourselves, our own bodies, for the creation. God is going to uh, make it new um, and make it better. And we're looking forward to that day. And we get to be um, part of reflecting his heart to uh, restore and make things new and make things well um, as we follow him in being stewards of creation on his behalf. So thank you both for helping us to think through these things. Um, really appreciate your input and uh, your expertise and your thoughts. Um, so we'll say goodbye. It's goodbye from me and goodbye thanks both it's been a really interesting session thank you Tim.
So this is a bit of the podcast that I now go and edit out because I got to the end of a spiel and then I didn't have a question ready to... to... <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been... Um, you can edit this out as well if you like, but <laughs> I had a chat with a, a Highlander. Um...